0: Listen up, motherfuckers. It's Monday morning, all right? This is the only Monday, the only today that you're gonna get. And you know what I hate to hear more than anything from people? I hate to hear, I'm gonna do this. I'm trying to do this. Or even worse, oh, well, I used to do it this way. I used to do that, none of that shit matters. What you're gonna do in the future, I don't care about that. What you used to do, you can't ride on that. What you can ride on is what you're gonna do today. Make today count. You are now
1: What's up, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rough Next Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Nixon, and my goal of this podcast is to bring on leaders in the world of athletics, coaching, entrepreneurship, and just life in general to try and motivate us all to be better. We shouldn't strive to be millionaires in terms of money, but by the millions of lives that we can impact. If you want to be a guest or have a guest idea that you would like to hear from, then shoot me an email at roughnextpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review if you like this episode. Then head over to our social media and give us a follow on Instagram at roughnextpodcast, Twitter at roughnextpodc1, Facebook at roughnextpodcast, and then don't forget to subscribe to the Roughnext YouTube channel as well. As always, be sure to grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Let's get into this week's episode. everybody welcome back to the final episode of august this is episode 49 of the roughnecks podcast it's crazy to think that we are 49 episodes into this podcast i started it way back almost a year ago september 25th will be the one year anniversary of this podcast i can't believe that it's made it this far i owe it all to you guys for listening each and every week my listeners are the reason that i continue to do what i do thank you guys for that but as I've said the past couple episodes, the fall sale is coming up in September. Stay tuned for those dates. We may even have a little giveaway. Be uh, Stay tuned for that as well. It's nothing set in stone yet, but we will for sure have a fall sale in September. But let's get into this week's episode. Joining me today for episode 49 of the Roughnecks, Roughnecks podcast, can't even say the r- names right, is a good one. Coach Dustin Myers, welcome to the Roughnecks podcast. Yo, yo, Cole, what's going on, man? Not much. Uh, thank you for taking the time out of I know you have a very busy schedule all the time. You guys got a lot going on over there at Old School and everything else that you got going with Old School, but I really appreciate you coming on and having a little discussion with me to uh, wrap up our topic of discipline.
0: Well, I mean, there was really no way for me to say no. I mean, first of all, we got kind of the Pataskala connection. And then just the name of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, I wish I would have thought of it, you know what I mean, because I've always said I'm a roughneck, you know, so I, I like the, uh, you know, the whole aura, the roughneck aura. So could, couldn't say no to coming on and chopping it up with you a little bit.
1: I can't even take credit for that name. It was actually me and Teddy, who was my roommate in college. We started this together. He's from Texas, and he was the one that just came up with it. He said it, and we both looked at each other, kind of like was a light bulb just went off in the head, and we we're like, that's perfect. Like, that fits us perfect.
0: I think usually that's how it goes in, you know, business or anything else. When you have kind of the, the good idea, you know right away. You don't have to – if, if an idea comes to you for business, something I you got to sit around and debate and think, well, you know, maybe we do it this way or maybe we'll call it that. No, when it's the one, you know, like right when it came out of his mouth, Roughnecks, you knew that was it, right? Yes,
1: we both looked at each other like, that's perfect.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so to kick off all my episodes, I love the guests to give a little background on themselves. So tell the Roughnecks listeners who Dustin Myers is.
0: All right. Well, I guess rather than, you know, starting at the beginning, because, you know, I'm an old man, I'm 42 years old, I'll kind of start at the present. And, you know, just kind of go back just a little ways, uh, just give you, you know, kind of touch on real quick. Um, So I'm 42 years old. I live here in, well, Pataskala, moving to Granville, Ohio. Uh, So right outside of Columbus, married, I got two kids and I own the old school gym, a founding partner of supplement company, Max Ever Muscle. I'm the strength conditioning coach for the Ohio Regional Training Center. That's the Olympic uh, wrestling arm of the wrestling program at The Ohio State University. And I also um, served as the head strength coach for the collegiate wrestling team from 2014 to 2018. Um, you know, I've been training since I was 12 years old. So, you know, I guess basically 30 years now, I've done a, a little bit of everything and I basically have lived my, my life in the gym. And I'm going to do that until I'm, you know, 80, 90, 100 years old, however long I'm, you know, blessed to be here on earth, I'm going to be lifting weights and, you know, picking up heavy things and climbing ropes and everything else. So that's just kind of, um, kind of sums up, I think, you know who i am at least in the public eye i mean obviously there's other you know facets to what i do i like gardening i like chopping firewood you know i like to swim you know those type of things but uh when it comes down to it i'm a weightlifter and i you know teach people how to push themselves and that's it
1: what actually got you into weightlifting like where did that whole thing like the fitness side of you where did that kind of where did the uh, inspiration i guess stem from
0: well I mean, you got to remember, I I was born in 79, you know, I grew up in the 80s. And you got to think in the 80s, there's no social media, there's no YouTube, there's nothing like that. So it's like anything, you get shaped by your surroundings. And, you know, I grew up uh, with my, you know, seeing my dad lift weights every day. You know, he had this old, you know, detached, unheated garage at our house, you know, out there in Eastern Ohio, outside of Steubenville. And, um, you know, he had been lifting weights for a long time when he would come home from the steel mill. It didn't matter whether it was 90 degrees like it is today or whether it was zero degrees in the winter. First thing he did when he came home, he didn't even change. He went out there in his work clothes and he lifted weights. And he would do that before he came in the house. And so I think from an early age, I just associated it with like, that's just something that you do once you're a man or or whatever, you just lift weights. And, um, you know, even in the summertime at the time, he was you know, he was helping out with, like, the local football team at the high school there. You know, I think he might have been coaching the junior high team or the freshman team or something. And, again, this is, you know, 83, 84, 85. Teams didn't have strength coaches. Kids didn't have personal trainers. But the kids on the team, you know, he knew some of the dads or whatever, and they knew that he was a weightlifter and had weights. So in the summertime, you know, his athletes that could drive would come down and they would lift weights. He was essentially their strength coach. We just didn't call it that. He was just teaching these guys how to lift weights. So from an early age, you know – that's some of my early, you know, earliest memories, you know, four and five years old, I would sit out there and I thought it was so cool because it's like these, you know, our high school kids are down here, they're shooting hoops and, you know, bullshitting and talking about girls and lifting weights or whatever. My dad's out there, you know, for lack of a better term, he was coaching them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really just grew up around it. And, you know, I remember it was just one of those things, like he would say, you know, he didn't try to like make workouts for me when I was little or anything like that, like I do with my son now, it's a whole different ballgame, but you know, he would just say, well, when you're 12, you can start lifting weights. And so I didn't really think anything of it. It was just when I was 12, I was like, all right, it's time to start lifting weights. And that that was kind of, you know, where it started. And I think that, you know, those early years, obviously what I know now and what I, my understanding of, you know, how to improve performance and stuff, you know, is nothing, or is light years ahead of what I knew then and what my dad knew and what he was showing these guys. But I think that kind of my mentality, my training style, and just kind of my outlook on, you know, I don't even like to say the word, but on fitness, you know, that that's where it started and that was heavily influenced by that. It's crazy what a father figure or a coach
1: or a mentor can do at an early age to us. Because I look at like the things that I do, you know, I never would have thought that I'd be working these long days outside in the hot summer sun. And then I look back at what my old man used to do and I'm like, man, like, you don't realize how much it shapes you and the the type of person that you become is the, those older figures, um, when you're at a young age, but that obviously carried over through your life. Cause now back in, I believe it was 2003, you and Corey Gregory took the leap and started something, something that I don't know if you guys expected it to go the way it, it has gone, but what made you guys decide to start old school gym?
0: Well, you know, kind of fast forward from, you know, those early days, like I talked about watching my dad in the gym, you know, by the time I got to high school, you know, I was in 10th grade. By that time, you know, I'd already had, you know, three or four years of weightlifting under my belt. And um, I, was, I was pretty advanced compared to the other kids, you know, my age. I mean, I was a small kid, but, you know, I was strong. I could do 30 pull-ups and I could, you know, bench probably almost twice my body weight and stuff like that. Um, and when, our, when I left junior high, went to high school in 10th grade, we kind of are, you know, Corey went to the other junior high, which was kind of, you know, our, our schools had consolidated. So I, I had heard about him because I knew he was kind of like the other kid that was real into weightlifting, you know, from the other junior high. And as luck would have it, we ended up having weightlifting class together in 10th grade. And so we kind of hit it off right away because, you know, I was like the only like non football player from my junior high that was real into weightlifting at that time. Like if you didn't play football, you usually didn't lift weights. Mm-hmm. And then he was kind of in the same boat at his junior high. So we, we kind of hit it off that way in you know literally in the weight room and um almost kind of like its rivals at first because i was like i don't want to lose to this Corey gregory kid you know and it's one of those where you're getting pushed at the same time like you want to you want to outdo them i mean honestly that i think that was why especially once we started lifting together regularly um you know because then we started lifting together outside of lifting class he would i think after wrestling season that year him and some other guys, they would start coming down because I think Corey had his license by the time. They would drive to my house after school and we would lift in the garage just like my dad's athletes have done. And, you know, Corey and I were great partners because we were very similar in strength. He's a little bit stronger than me now, but, you know, what can you do? <laughs> but, uh, you know, we were very similar in strength and uh, we pushed each other, but we hated to lose to each other. And it was one of those things where like, if you, if I went first, I knew I was going to lose because he would beat me by one rep or whatever, five pounds and, you know, vice versa. And I can remember even probably up until the college years, I would get so mad at him if he would beat me in something like I would want to cry. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not a six-year-old feeling this way. I was, you know, even when I'm 20 years old, I would want to cry. I would get so pissed. And there was times where, you know, he would beat me on something that I felt like was my lift or, you know, maybe I would better, you know, beat him on something that typically he was something, you know, you know, stereotypically better than me at and it would cause a little riff. We'd be mad at each other for a couple of days, but you know, I mean, part of, part of that's a little immaturity or whatever, but I'm thankful for it because I think that's how we learned to push ourselves. And we kind of learned that a lot of times you have these limits. You think, all right, well, I, I do 10 pull-ups. That's how many I can do. Well, when you have that mindset, then you you never really grow. But if if the mindset is, I don't give a fuck how many I normally do, I'm going to do one more than Corey G. Mm-hmm. Then next thing you know, it goes from 10 to 12 to 14. Next thing you know, you're doing numbers you, or weight that you never thought you could do. So I think, you know, that's where we developed that competitive spirit. And I know I'm kind of getting sidetracked here a little bit. But, you know, so we ended up, um, you know, I, after high school, I went to Cincinnati for a year. He stayed home, you know, kind of worked in the coal mine, saved money for a year to kind of get out of the valley. I ended up transferring to Ohio State. He came up with a couple other buddies of mine. We got a house together. We had a little weight room in the crawl space and stuff, and, you know, kind of reunited, started lifting weights. And uh, he did like a one-year exercise science thing or something at Columbus State. So after a year, he was already working as a personal trainer. I'm still, you know, living the college life. At that time, thought I was going to be – an English teacher, you know, even though I love to lift weights. But I think that at the time, again, there's no internet, no social media or anything. I didn't even really comprehend that you could really make a living lifting weights or teaching people to lift weights. Cause it definitely wasn't happening where we were from. And even seeing it up here in Columbus, you know, the little bit we'd see personal trainers, I had like no concept of like how do you even make that happen? You know, I'm getting an English degree. How would I be a trainer? You know? But um he you know worked as a trainer i ended up getting a desk job at the gym he was at he ended up at, at one point i think maybe around 2000 99 or 2000 he ended up leaving and opened a small personal training studio on bryce road you know very humble small space you know the office was a a closet essentially he put a card table in the closet and that had a laptop and that was his office and so i started training clients there and i think by the time i was maybe a junior in college I started thinking, I'm like, man, I'm almost making as much money as a teacher. And I'm lifting weights every day. I'm hanging on my buddies. We're listening to Wu-Tang. Like, why would I go to grad school now and become a teacher? Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. So I, you know, I still finished out my degree. But by that time, I was ready to just kind of jump into it full time. And so then, you know, trained full time for about, an, about a year. And then in 2003, I ended up, you know, buying my first house, the house that my wife and I still live in. Out here in petascola and then maybe a month or so after that we kind of caught wind through the grapevine that this small little you know hole in the wall gym in petascola was going out of business uh, it was called amazing fitness which is hilarious because there was nothing amazing about it the place <laughs> was an absolute dump it had like maybe five members and um we ended up getting in touch with the guy and buying it from him and kind of the same thing you talked about with your podcast i remember us you know sitting around trying to come up with a name. We were at his training studio and we're like, man, what are we going to call this gym? We call it the garage. We're going to call it this. We're going to call it that. Now, he would probably tell it different, but the way I remembered, I'm the one that came up with the name. (laughs) I said, I said, we're going to call it old school gym. And right then we knew like, yes, it's old school. Because I think, you know, having the personal training studio, you know, you got to remember this before, like CrossFit gyms kind of brought like hardcore training to the mainstream. You know, late 90s, everything was kind of foo-foo. You know, fitness was all about you know, spandex and, you know, you got a smoothie bar and who has the best equipment and stuff. So I think at the training studio, we always had that feeling of like, even though the place wasn't that nice, we had to try to make it seem nice. You know, we'd put flowers on the front desk and we'd have a Brita picture out and try to make, you know, we'd paint the walls bright colors because you were trying to attract a clientele that had money to spend on personal training. And when we got old school, we knew the name fit and we're like, you know what? There's no way you can't put lipstick on this pig. It's just this building, is falling apart, it leaks when it rains, the equipment is old as fuck, like it's dirty, it's grimy, it stinks in here, whenever you get the smell out it here. It's old school and it just it is what it is, and this is who we are anyway, so we we don't got to fake it. This is just you know the throwback to my dad's garage, the throwback to the old bus garage that we lifted in high school at Edison High School. So you know that was kind of how old school started and You know, I just kind of adopted the mentality early on, like, hey, this place ain't going to be for everyone. Mm -hmm. And people are going to walk in right away. And they're either going to know when they walk in, like, yes, I want to be a part of this. I haven't felt this way since high school. Or they're going to walk in and be like, oh, I don't know about this place. And the people that don't know about it, that's fine. You know, they can, they can go That's why that you
1: have different types of gyms. That's why you have a planet fitness. That's why you have an old school. I mean, those are two completely different types of gyms. At least you're going and working out. But at the same time, like they're, everybody's different. But I, what I like that you talked about is that you guys didn't try and fake it like you guys were you. That, that'd be like if Planet Fitness tried to fake and be you, it just wouldn't fit. It wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be their their uh, rep, rep, uh, reputation, like what they are. But so that's like a really cool thing. And it is like you branded it to yourselves and made it easy to continue with the business and grow with it. And it's crazy to watch, you know. I was born in 1998, so a little little bit right before you guys opened it, really. But I've watched, as I've grown up, that gym grow as well. And it has become a variable. It's, like, known across the country where you guys have had, you know, all kinds of people when you guys were at 40, even still now, come into there from, like, Ohio State football players, well-known Ohio State football players, to Arnold himself. Like, how are you guys able to build that reputation up? like who first off who all who are some of the biggest names that you've had in that gym to, that you would say
0: well I mean you already name dropped the biggest one you know Arnold obviously was you know the biggest one and I will say this that was probably the only time I can ever remember in my adult life feeling like almost like a fanboy like when someone <laughs> walked in the room I was like you know he seemed larger than life it seemed like his his voice was like echoing everything he said um you know, I, I, I legitimately felt starstruck and it was a really surreal feeling to think Arnold is in my gym. Like it, it almost didn't even, I couldn't even comprehend it. It felt so strange. So that that's definitely, you know, the biggest name, but you know, you talk on, you know, kind of local celebrities, I guess, you know, when you think of Buckeye football, you know, Braxton Miller, you know, still comes out here to the new spot boxes with me, you know, Antonio Pittman has been a training partner of mine for probably, I don't know, six, seven years, you know, you know, great friend, great training partner, you know, Beanie Wells comes out here on the regular. So those are, you know, Dan Boom Heron, when he's in town, he's always out here at the gym. So, you know, any OSU fans that are listening, you know, obviously they're going to recognize those names. And then, you know, because of my, you know, tie in with OSU wrestling, I mean, you know, Reese Highlight Humphrey, you know, the USA wrestling coach of the year, Kyle Snyder, Olympic gold medalist, you know, Colin Moore is still one of my main training partners. He's out here every week. You know, he was the Olympic alternate this year, Uh, to Japan, you know, U.S. Open champ, yada, yada, yada. uh, The list goes on. So um, I think that this is something that social media was a big catalyst for. I don't think that we're really, obviously we have, you know, bigger names here and, you know, maybe me and G have gotten, you know, more, obviously more experience. We've gotten smarter over the years and, but we're not really doing things that much different than we were in 2003 and 2004 when even, probably your parents in Potascal had no idea who we were. They didn't even know if there was a gym there and no, no one knew about us. You know, we would try to, you know, spend some marketing on like the dollar saver. It'd be like those coupons you get in the mail, mm-hmm. try to give out like a free month and stuff like that. And it was just like throwing stuff at a wall uh, because there, there was really no way to like show people what you were about or show people what you were doing. And, you know, first with, you know, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with them coming along, that's what, you know, has changed the game for us. And, I mean, I got, you know, obviously my Instagram account's done well. I have, you know, videos that I've done. Like I've collabed with muscle and strength. They sent me this trophy last year that like my one, my core strength video on their site is over 4 million views. And I'm looking at it, I'm thinking like, this is insane. 4 million people have watched, mm-hmm. you know, some core training video I did. Like those type of things were not possible, you know, 20 years ago or, you know, whenever we started this thing. So, you know, social media was a big catalyst. And I think the reason that, it, that we've done well with it kind of tying back to some stuff you talked about earlier is we just try to be authentic you know people try to straddle too many different worlds they want to you know they want to put on a front that they're this or they want to pretend that they're that or we're just I'm just showing people who I am you know I talk the way I talk when I talk to my kids or my clients or anything else we listen to the same music we don't really try to you know be something we're not and I think that you know kind of rings true to people they see I, I I think people can see through the bullshit at this point, I guess what I'm getting to, you know, social media is flooded with, it's a highlight reel for some for so many. And of course, I, I, I have to highlight certain things. And there's certain <laughs> things that I want to show you get to pick what you show, right. But I think that, you know, people have kind of gotten wisened up to, especially in the fitness world, there's so much fake shit out there. Yeah, There's so many many fitness accounts of people who should not have fitness
1: accounts. (laughs) Like I know for a fact, I should not start a fitness account. So I don't even try. But I look at some of the fitness accounts and I'm like, I feel like I could do better than this, but hey, do what you want to do.
0: Well, I mean, there's a part of me that looks at that and thinks, you know what? Well, even if they help one person, then it's a good thing. But I think the best way that you can help people is always leading by example. And one of the examples you have to set when you leave people is that you got to be true to yourself. You always got to be true to who you are deep inside because it's a losing game trying to be someone else or trying to fake something. So, you know, I try to lead, you know, with my work ethic, I try to lead, you know, by showing, Hey, you can be, you can be a tough guy, hardcore maniac and still be a good person. You can still be kind to other people. You can be kind to people who are less fortunate. You can still be a good husband, a good father, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, I think if I can just keep setting that example for people, that that's going to be my my contribution when it's all said and done. So you guys have a lot of things that come with old school, and one of them
1: is the max effort muscle. Why did you guys end up deciding to start that? Talk to me through that decision, and then I got a couple other questions to go with that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try to make it quick then because I want to hear your follow-up. So. <laughs> Uh, Probably trying to think of the timeline here. It might have been like 2007, 2008. Corey G um, was a co founder of Muscle Farm, which I think they're still kind of floating around out there, but they were a huge supplement company at the time. They were kind of one of the first ones that sponsored the UFC. Excuse me. And, um, you know, they sponsored Tiger Woods. That was how Corey eventually, you know, originally got the relationship with Arnold. They did an Arnold line, which he had never done before. And And the company just completely blew up. But it's like, like just about anything, when it gets too big, the guys who started it have no control anymore. I mean, it was a publicly traded company. They had a board of directors. And then you go from being the guy in charge that had the vision that got you there to now you don't even get a say in anything. And so once he got to that point, I can't, and again, I don't remember the timeline. This might have been 2014 or 2015. He decided it was time to walk away. He left. He had like a, you know, probably a one year non compete or whatever. But he said, hey, when this non compete's up, he said, we're going to do it over, but we're going to do it the right way. He said, I want to bring you in and we're going to, we don't need to be the biggest supplement company on earth. We need to just be able to have our arms around it and focus on, you know, what he felt like Muscle farm lost as it went on. Focus on helping the customer, not just giving them a good product, but everything that goes around with it. Because, you know, I mean look, I'm a supplement guy, but I'm the first one to tell you, if you just have the good supplements, that's not going to do you any good. You got to understand the discipline side, to training. You got to understand recovery. You got to understand how to lift. It's a lifestyle. So we got, we're going to, you know, start max effort muscle. We're going to really tie ourselves into the branding, showcase the way we train, the way we live. And boom, that's how it started. We're in, I don't even know what year we're in now. We're going to be in year four, year five. I'm not even sure, but you know, we got the whole, you know, super HQ out here. We got, you know, the gym and Max Effort under one roof. I'm actually in our new podcast studio, which is crazy. I'm going to be launching my first podcast here in the next couple of weeks called the Wrestling Strength Podcast with Coach Myers. Uh, so the synergy that we have by having everything under one roof has just been incredible. The
1: amount of things that you have going on is, I don't know how you stay it's going on our topic, discipline. Because, you know, I I don't know how you, I I want you to speak on it because, Mm -hmm. you know, you still spend time with your kids, your wife, you still get, do all these things, all these different things every day and work out on top of it. How do you like stay consistent and stay disciplined? Like what, what, what's your secret to it? I guess is what I'm asking.
0: Man, I, you know, I get, I get asked this a lot. You know, people will say, what motivates you? How do you stay disciplined and honestly, it's one of those things. I don't feel like I have to search for it. I think it's just when I, you know, I've always been kind of obsessive in a way, you know, luckily I, have been able to kind of channel it into certain things. You know, when I was young, I was into comic books when I liked comic books, boom, that's all I thought about. Once I got into weightlifting, that's all I thought about, you know? So I think when you have, you know, obsessive tendencies and you can learn to channel them a certain way, it becomes easy to make decisions. I, I just look at things as like, all right, you know, here's the, here's the silos of my life. You know, the goals that I have set for myself, for my family, for my gym, this is one silo. And then the other silo is everything else. And so everything each day either fits into one or the other. And I just look at it like if it doesn't fit into this silo that's in line with my goals, then I don't need it. You know, so I eat a certain way because, you know, that's in line with the, you know, the way that I want to live and that I want to be healthy and, you know, training as far as I, i never understand not wanting to train. I think maybe just cause I've grown up around it, but I actually don't feel right. You know, if I would wake up and just go a full day without training, by the end of the day, I would have anxiety. I would just not feel like myself. I have to, and for me, part of it's weightlifting, part of it's the conditioning th- thing too. I have to, I do some type of conditioning every day. I have to almost kind of break myself or at least get close to that point, or I don't feel like I can go about the rest of my day.
1: It's crazy that you say that <laughs> because I'm not going to lie. After football ended for me in college, you know, I got, I got the little lazy spell going for me. And right. I, then I like started working out again and I was like, why did I ever stop? Like I realized how much one, it's a great stress reliever. You can have the worst day at work, worst day. When you're appending the worst day of your life and go work out. And for some reason, I always just felt great after every single time I worked out because you need that, like you said, you need that breaking point and you need that. It's just a great reliever of stress. And so it's crazy that you mentioned that, but I also, um, well, I forget what I was going to say now, cause I was thinking of so well, many different things.
0: Well, let, let me just touch on this. I think that, you know, you probably had that in a lot of, in a lot of guys that I talk to, you have that growing up with structured sports. And so you kind of take it for granted. And then when you get away from structured sports, you lose that and you start to realize you don't even feel like yourself, but you might not know why. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's because you're not being challenged. Maybe you don't have the camaraderie and the competition of the locker room or, you know, the weight room and the football field or whatever. And once you lose that, it's almost like you lose a part of yourself. So I've seen it time and time again, even with high level athletes, you know, guys that, you know, that I've worked with here that, you know, after they're done, you know, maybe they you know, they played Ohio state, they go to the league after the league, they kind of feel like they're, they're wandering around. They, you know, they've been playing football for however many years, they don't feel like themselves anymore. And then by coming back to the gym, they feel like they get a piece of themselves back. And that, that carries over into everything. Like if, if you didn't start working out again, do you think you would have started a podcast? I mean, you probably wouldn't have had that type of motivation to do these other things in other areas of your life
1: that's what's crazy too is i started kind of slacking on the podcast and when i got back into working out i got it almost like it motivated me to do all these other things as well to get back on this podcast because this is the fifth episode that uh we will have In i did two episodes two weeks ago two episodes last week and another episode your episode will be on monday so like i'm like getting everything i'm recording one again on um Monday, another one on Tuesday and another one next Thursday. So like, I'm just recording all the time now. And it motivated me to find that passion. But the thing you said too, that I wanted to touch on is, mm-hmm. you know, you had that drive. You it didn't feel it's like the whole thing. It doesn't feel like a job. It's like what you love to do. And people in our five episodes this month, four of them, including yours have been, have touched on that about needing your why like your discipline like you have that why what fuels you is your why and like Carlos was the first one he was a bodybuilder he's going and doing bodybuilding and stuff and he said you know I write down 16 weeks every single or 16 weeks and then 15 weeks till my show because he's like I just you have to be constantly reminded of why you're doing what you're doing and like especially with working out it can be some people it is a chore in a way, but eventually that chore becomes a hobby and becomes something that you love to do.
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. I think, you know, something that has always kind of driven me too, especially now, you know, being a father is I just know how impactful as a child watching, not, not just watching my dad lift weights, but also watching, you know, how hard he worked, you know, not just, you know, going to the mill every day, but, you know, chopping firewood, doing things. My dad never complained about physical labor. And my mom, you know, was the same way. You know, she, I I got a lot of my fitness stuff from her too, but not necessarily the weight room. My mom, you know, she's 67 or 68 years old, you know, still does yoga every day. She does yoga, meditation, hiking, Uh, you know. So even growing up with her, like I remember, you know, in the wintertime, she would cross country ski through our property. She was always playing tennis. she just wasn't really big into weightlifting, but she was always very active, you know, very hardworking, Um, you know. So I think just being, raised in that environment. I know the type of impact that had on me. I want to make sure that my kids are raised in that same type of environment. You know, in our house, you know, it's just, you know, working out, doing active things outside, doing physical labor. It's just a part of every day. So, So that's the thing too, is you weight training
1: is not the only way that you can be active and you can be fit and work out. That's what people, I think sometimes, get scared away from like getting a gym membership or like, Oh, I don't want to pay for a membership. You can go walk down the street. You can go, you know, run around the neighborhood, ride your bike or whatever, or like go even split firewood. I don't think a lot of people understand that that's not necessarily an easy thing. We heat our house with a wood burning stove. Still my parents do. So nice. I'm used to that. I'm used to splitting firewood all summer long. Luckily it's not by hand anymore. And we got a log splitter, but still.
0: Well, then I'm going to challenge you next time you go to your parents, to help them with the wood get out that mall or get out that ax. You know, my mom has a log splitter now cause I'm not there, but anytime I go home and y'all you know, split wood for it, I do it by hand just because it's therapeutic. I feel kind of that connection to, I like being out in nature and getting to, you know, hear the sounds and getting a good sweat out there and the workout aspect of it too. So I'm, I'm going to challenge you.
1: It's a challenge. Uh, the Splitting wood itself is a challenge oh, because yeah. I usually, a lot of times if I can't help them that day, like split wood, I will like some of the bigger pieces. They're like, well, you just split these in half for us. And I'm like, okay, right, fine. Right. So, but it is like, especially those bigger pieces, it takes a while to get those sometimes.
0: No doubt, man. But I, I think, um, I think you hit the nail on the head too. something is always better than nothing. So if it starts with, Hey, I'm going to go for a walk every day, then Hey, that's a start. And then, you know, maybe after a week of walking every day, maybe you add in some body weight stuff or you add in some yoga or, you know, Someone can you can do something every day. It doesn't necessarily have to be you're going to drive to the gym and stay there for two hours and do a uh, you know a strict regimen. So I mm-hmm. think that anything that gets people up and moving is always a positive thing. And not everyone's going to want to train the way that I train, or you know, or you know, go to classes or whatever. But yeah, if you're you should always do something active every single day. Absolutely. Yeah, because
1: I know a guy, you may know Zach Muncy. He's from Pataskala. But he was, honestly, he was over 500 or 400 pounds. Wow. And the time he finally, the of all times, that he said, you know what, I'm going to make a change, was during COVID when it all hit. And it was like we were locked down at home. He started walking laps around his kitchen. That's all he did. He just every day would walk laps. And that just goes to show like, I'm trying to get him on my podcast, but that just goes to show like any little thing can help and make a difference. And now I believe, I don't remember how much weight he's lost, but he's lost a crap ton of weight. It he is, it's insane, but it just goes to show what it can do. But one of the questions I wanted to ask you back on max yep. effort, we kind of got sidetracked yeah, yeah. is what would you recommend for someone to put in their sack right now?
0: All right. Well, the most important one, is the amino recovery. That's why I recommend to all my athletes, 10 grams of BCAs, five grams of glutamine, plus electrolytes. All my athletes take that after every single workout, after a wrestling practice, after lifting, whatever. If you're an athlete or lifter that wants to get stronger, then you need our tri-blend creatine. And then protein-wise, people love our tri-blend protein. I'm actually a fan of our plant-based protein. I take it every day, it's delicious. And it's, I've tried a million of them because I had to, I had to cut dairy out of my diet. It was causing some acne and some skin issues. Uh, So our plant-based protein, you know, is the best tasting on the market. It's the only one that I've ever found that is not chalky when it mixes up and actually tastes closer to, you know, kind of the whey protein that has that good, you know, milk fat in there. So those are the three I'd recommend right off the bat, amino recovery, tri-blend creatine, tri-blend protein, boom.
1: There you go. You guys heard it there first from the man himself that you need to, first off, you guys need to go get a sack right now and get those three things right there. So, but now I know you got a limited time. So we're going to get into my favorite segment of this podcast, which is motivation Monday.
0: Let's do it.
1: So Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guests to give a little inspirational bump to set the tone for their week as they listen, as our Roughnecks listeners listen on Monday morning. They could be on their way to the gym or work or whatever it is because our episodes come out at 7 a.m. on Monday morning. So what do you got for Motivation Monday?
0: Ooh, Motivation Monday. All right. Listen up, motherfuckers. It's Monday morning. All right. This is the only Monday, the only today that you're going to get. And you know what I hate to hear more than anything for people? I hate to hear, I'm going to do this. I'm trying to do this. Or even worse, oh, well, I used to do it this way. I used to do that. None of that shit matters. What you're going to do in the future, I don't care about that. What you used to do, you can't ride on that. What you can ride on is what you're going to do today. Make today count. Now, the beauty of it is you get another day tomorrow. So let's go to the other side. Let's say today wasn't a good day. You're listening to it late in the day. You missed the gym. You ate bad. You didn't do well at work. You just didn't, you know, operate well within your relationships. Whatever it is, tomorrow's a new start. So don't dwell on the bullshit that happened today. You get a clean slate every day. Today is what matters. Don't tell me what you're gonna do tomorrow. Do it now.
1: Hell yes, that is one of the most truly passionate motivation mondays i've had and i love it because this is usually the point in the episode like where i hear it coming out of the guest but i just heard it in your voice like you truly meant what you just said and it it is true like people i've heard people say you know oh i just had like the worst day of my life all right if this truly is the worst day of your life make tomorrow not the worst day you have a new opportunity tomorrow to make it a great day because honestly yesterday i had a crappy day but i woke up today like you know what that's gone. That's in the past. There's nothing that's going to change what happened yesterday, but I can control what's about to happen today.
0: Yeah. You can't let it ruin today. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what people do a lot. They let yesterday ruin today or the anxiety about what could happen tomorrow, ruin today, focus on today. Try to be now, obviously you still have to be cognizant of the past and you still have to be looking towards the future, but that ain't, you know, you can't let it negatively affect your day today.
1: 100%. And with that, that's a wrap on the 49th episode of the Rough Next podcast. That is also a wrap on a discipline topic. Coach Dustin Myers, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Where can people follow you and old school gym on social media?
0: All right. So I'm most active on Instagram. You can find me on there at coach Myers underscore gut check. Um, that'd be the best way. And then the gym. Oh, thank you.